No matter how much falls on us, we keep plowing ahead. That's the only way to keep the roads clear. This is AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we talk all things audiobooks, and we start with a quote. This is one by Greg Kincaid, and of course, we're reflecting on quotes of resilience through May. And if you haven't noticed, I've been really talking about the good weather, the good weather, the beautiful spring weather, Uh, but this quote (laughs) clearly reminded us of winter and That's an interesting place to start. Let's start there. Uh, Resilience is something that feels a little bit like hindsight 2020. You know, you come out of the struggle, you come out of the the hole that you felt that you had to climb out of, and then you say, I was resilient. Uh, You reflect. It's very much a reflection process. And kind of thinking of resilience in this way where you're plowing to move ahead um, is quite a different perspective of that. You know, we're not necessarily looking behind us, but we're thinking, wow, there's so much in front of me, so much blur and and fog and or snow, if we're really going to get into it, um, that I must push through and wade through to get to the other side. So, there's this kind of present moment factor in this quote that I really um, felt like it tapped into another realm of resilience, you know, understanding being resilient while you're in it still. And that is, of course, a struggle. Um, and, And we can get into a lot of different views on that and just really talk about what mental health is and how we cope with stress and uh, the anxieties and knowing and channeling present moment to know that this is resilience in the works. So it was kind of interesting. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but it is really the book of the month for Kelly and Company and Amir Khan's Evening Book Club uh, that inspired this resilience theme for the month of May. Uh, We're talking about a sports biography and it's just the kind of storytelling that Brian Burke uh, is telling in Burke's Law that has to do with resilience and has to do with overcoming what people may not be aware of because they see you on the podium or they see you in the team and and they see you in the hockey league and and you're this you know big athlete um with so many millions of dollars under your name uh, but that's not all right everyone has something that they're going through the struggles the the family the home life the personal and whatever else it may be uh so it was really just based on the synopsis even before starting to actually read the books uh that I thought you know what resilience is something that's in everybody, in everything, at many, many moments of life. So let's recognize that. Now, moving on to the Sila homepage, because we want to check out the featured list uh, right at the homepage, celalibrary.ca, and it's under the second heading. The three titles that are currently up there are Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mendel, This is a general fiction title. Number two, Her Hidden Genius by Marie Benedict. This is a historical fiction. And what we checked out last week, Sorry Not Sorry by Sonia Singh. And this is a romance. 
So continuing on with recommendations, uh, this is found on the CELA blog, actually. And it's Asian Heritage Month. So we're recognizing and celebrating that with some of these recommendations. Uh, this is straight from the post. We've selected some newer titles and some older favorites in celebration of Asian Heritage Month. Canada is blessed with a rich literary community and a number of outstanding authors of Asian heritage, including Kim Thuy, Savanka Thamakansa, uh, Niva Shriya, and Samra Habib, to name just a few. The books we've chosen for this list, and by we, I'm talking about the SELA team, include titles and authors who may be new to you, but maybe not to others, but also really great to check out some new things. So scroll through the list to find suggestions from uh, for children and young adults. These are some of the highlights that I found on the page, and I'll give you a heads up now that one of these titles will be our pause or play for today. We Two Alone, a novella and stories by Jack Wang. The Book of Form and Emptiness by Ruth Ruski. Homicide and Hello Hello by Mia Pimansala. A Passage North, a novel by Anuk Aradpragazan. Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. Eyes That Speak to the Stars by Joanna Ho. And there are many, many, many more on this list. It goes on. Uh, again, you can find this on the CELA blog. Uh, they also provide synopsis for each of the titles and tell you where the categories are coming from. So there's a lot to check out in this. And again, Asian Heritage Month, um, along with other things that we celebrate throughout the year for reads for literature uh, wonderful wonderful things to keep in mind you know even if you're not necessarily the type of person to theme theme out your monthly reads I think it's a great place to start if you're just looking and um, a couple of the reads that we've had in the last few months have been by Asian authors and it has been wonderful exposure uh, to different parts of the world different ways of living, uh, different histories as well, and to just expand. You know, it's expanding in a different way than you would with fantasy or um, fiction in general. But even if it's fiction written by people of, of who are different to you, you know, there's elements in there that you're learning from. Let's get to our pause or play section. We heard about some recommendations for Asian Heritage Month, and that was through our friends from CELA, the Center for Equitable Library Access. Now we're going to hit pause or play on one of the titles, The Book of Form and Emptiness by Ruth Oski. One year after the death of his beloved musician father, 13-year-old Benny O begins to hear voices. The voices belong to the things in his house. A sneaker, a broken Christmas ornament, a piece of wilted lettuce. Although Benny doesn't understand what these things are saying, he can sense their emotional tone. Some are pleasant, a gentle hum or coo, but others are snide, angry, and full of pain. When his mother, Annabelle, develops a hoarding problem, the voices grow more clamorous. And at first, Benny tries to ignore them, but soon the voices follow him outside the house, onto the street and at school, driving him at last to seek refuge in the silence of a large public library where objects are well-behaved and known to speak in whispers. There, 
Benny discovers a strange new world. He falls in love with a mesmerizing street artist with a smug pet ferret who uses the library as her performance space. He meets a homeless philosopher poet who encourages him to ask important questions and find his own voice amongst the many. And he meets his own book, a talking thing who narrates Benny's life and teaches him to listen to the things that truly matter. We'll pause it there for the synopsis and go around the table, starting with Jacob. Pause or play on this title. I'm going to hit play on this one. That's an emphatic play. There's a lot to unwrap here. This seems very imaginative. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, Mm -hmm. I really want to know more about these talking inanimate objects. Like what they actually represent in the story, because uh, it's still there's a lot of question marks there. I want to know what the wilting piece of lettuce has to say. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Why it's there? Why wasn't it eaten on time? Like there's just so much that could be. Why? It's just it's resentful that it hasn't been made into a salad. <laughs> exactly. I would be too if I was that wilted lettuce. No, I totally agree with you. Very imaginative. Moving to Amr, your. Choice on pause or play? Definitely pause. I am very much not interested in the wilted lettuce right now. Wow. I think I would normally be very interested in a book like this, but uh, I think the sequence that you read books is important too, to, in a lot of cases, in terms of what book you just finished versus what book you're taking on next. Um, and one of the books I'll be talking about later is, is The Starless Sea, which is also very imaginative also has a lot to do with libraries and books and things, which seems to be a trend right now. There's there's so many books about libraries and librarians, mm-hmm. um, or at least that I've come across. Uh, the Memory Librarian is another one which uh, seems to be battered around in terms of recommendations right now. But but I think I'm in, in terms of overly imaginative and sort of things that talk that shouldn't talk. Uh, I, I think I need a rest from from that right now. Um, so I, I'll probably press play on it later on, but but definitely not in terms of the near future. Okay. Okay. So see, we heard from both sides of the spectrum. I think I'm um, leaning towards play. I hear definitely like the the imagination, the fantasy, as Jacob pointed out. But I also hear a lot of maybe internal struggles, um, you know, reasons why these objects or other things are talking and not just because it's a fantasy element, but because, you know, there might be things going on uh, with this person's, you know, mental health or or things that they're going through and, and why this is the way that that presents itself, you know? And, and I'm curious. I'm very, very curious about that. I might be completely wrong. But, but I'm willing to risk it because I'm uh, tempted to on that level. All right. So cool. I love this. Uh, so this is the f- Book of Form and Emptiness by Ruth Ozeki. And the way that you spell the last name for that author is O-Z-E-K-I. Now we're checking in with Amir Khan. We do this monthly uh, near the end of the month. And there's a lot of audiobook recommendations and talk that comes about. So you're back, Amir, and you've enjoyed this month of very interesting reading style. So it's savoring and unhurried, enjoyable book listening. 
we've spoken on the show before about the synopsis or speed of a narration and how that that can really change or impact our audiobook listening experience. And today you wanted to talk about the actual pacing of a book. And this is very different from just speeding up the book and how you listen. Uh, you also have some recommendations for us on these slower paced novels. You mentioned The Starless Sea. But where do you want to start with this conversation? I think I want to start with with what you said just a few seconds ago, which is with regards to the pacing of a novel. I mean, I, I really believe that there are some novels that are written where, you know, you really are glued to the page in the sense that you want to get to the end and you want to know what's going on. I mean, Kelly and Company had a book a, a while ago called Deception Point by Dan Brown. And it's a suspense, a book. It's not short, but you really want to finish it as soon as possible because you really want to know what's going next, going on next. And um, today I'm talking about sort of the opposite of that, which is you want to stay glued to the page because you're savoring it because the writing is so good, because the quality of the book is so good. And you're not so much interested in finishing the book as sort of living with it, um, having it sort of marinate with you and, and get into your psyche and, and have that sort of relationship and experience with the book um, for, for a longer time than, than usual. Um, the book that I've been reading most of this month is The Starless Sea by Aaron Morgenstern, based on your recommendation, actually, Ramya. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it is truly a, a unique work, um, definitely not for everybody, but like sort of the, the Antarctica book I, I, I described the last time I was on this show, it's something that you really want to take your time with. Um, it's really not about trying to get to the end. It's, it's really about trying to absorb what the imagery and the author is, is describing and telling you. Um, it's one of the books where I feel like uh, thematically uh, it's sort of like choose your own adventure. Um, not to say that there's options in the book to choose your own adventure, but right. like like in the Antarctica book, it's it's really about what you want out of the book. I mean, you can really read it in terms of a face value, in terms of, okay, this happened, this happened, this happened, and it was an interesting story. Um, or you can get really deep into it in terms of, you know, what does this particular image mean? Or, or what was the author trying to say here? Or what was the author trying to say there? One of the things that I do sort of subconsciously and sort of slightly consciously when I'm reading a book and I find it's a really good book is I start to think and formulate about how I might present this or describe this book to others. And a lot of the times this can be really challenging um, depending on what the subject matter is for the book. I mean, even even the pause or playbook that we had um, just a few moments ago, I mean, uh, again, from a synopsis perspective, that must have been a challenge to put together uh, to describe mm -hmm. something so imaginative uh, to people. But aside from that, you know, when you're describing it to your friends or coworkers, there's a real fine line between providing too much information and basically spoiling the book for people um, yeah. and sort of taking a step back and, and giving them uh, too little and then they're not interested at all. Yeah, definitely most of the time we're straddling that line. With Starless Sea, I remember exactly how I described it to you. Just go read it. It's good. Okay. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I believe your words were, it's it's really well written and I think you'll like it. Um, <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, equally generic. for me. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, for me, when, when I was looking at this, I, I thought about what and how I would describe this. Uh, I'm not even sure I took a look at the synopsis at all, but... Um, the way I think about this book is sort of a, a guided abstract journey. Um, and it, it's something that you want to have with you because, you know, you'll be doing your dishes or you're looking out your window or looking at yourself in the mirror 
And you'll find yourself thinking about this book because it touches on so many topics of, of life and how you want to live it and, and what the possibilities of, of life really are. Um, as we've mentioned and hinted at before, there's a lot of imagination and imagery and and sort of things that push the boundaries of reality in this book uh, in, into the supernatural realm. And so it has sort of Alice in Wonderland type quality, but it's not childish. It's, it's very adult. Um, and the themes touch on everything from LGBTQ pieces to sort of, you know, what is the meaning of life in terms of your personal uh, impact on the world mm. and, and what, um, you know, lies underneath all of those pieces. And um, of course, there's books and imagery and storytelling. And uh, it's, it's just a really well done book for what it is. There were a lot of intellectual conversations um, throughout, you know, happening at university and on campus and such where I was like, wow, there was a just a variety of characters um, who show up and who are there, who aren't there. They leave, they come back. Uh, but you're right. It's a little bit of everything, which is why going back to the what you said about synopsis of a book making or breaking it. I mean, we do this literally every week on pause or play. We hear it probably for the first time, uh, the synopsis that is presented to us. And then we say, meh, or we say, yeah, heck yeah, that sounds like my type of thing. So you really do have to market a book in that way. And it's not the same as when you try to do it verbally to your friends. Um, the, the recommendation is less formal, right? Can we talk about giving away spoilers and things like that? Because sometimes if you're overdoing the actual story that's enough for somebody to say oh, i'm not going to read it anymore yeah and i think that a lot of that has to do with knowing your audience um i'm usually citing on the the side of not giving too much away um to the point where i know i've recommended books to you where i've given you a smidget of of information until you just just read it and if you don't like it by you know this particular chapter then mm-hmm. it's not going to get better um, and I like to do that with with certain books. I mean, uh, certain books take a turn after some chapters, but for the most part, it, books are pretty linear in terms of the the style and, and the way it's written and the way the storyline is going. And, and you can advise people sort of sort of that way. Uh, I've done it for autobiographies too, even on the show for you know Billy Porter's book. In terms of you know, I think it's a, even if you're not interested in who Billy Porter is, you know, chapters right. one through five are fantastic and. You know, if you find those to be amazing, then you might want to continue with the rest of the book um, or not. Okay. Let's get some recommendations for other slow reads. Um, again, mentions the Starless Sea already. What are some other ones you'd compare? Yeah. The other thing I do when I read books is try to think of books which were similar uh, and books that I would sort of attach to this book. Um, and we've mentioned some of them throughout my time on, on the show and, and throughout your time on, on Kelly and Company. Um and I'm going to do it in the order, I guess, of, of the ones I, I enjoyed the most. Uh, Invisible Life of Addie LaRue comes to mind. Um, it seems it has a darker shade to it than this particular novel um, uh, because it has to do with the devil. Um, but again, it's, it's one of these books where it's, it's a lot about life and reality. And there's sort of a sprinkling of supernatural pieces just to make it interesting enough for you to keep going um, and uh, sort of bolster the storyline. Um, Three Daughters of Eve is, is also in that uh, sort of category, which I would put in sort of the box set of these types of, of novels. Uh, the imagination is a little bit um, less. It's a lot more reality, but there are sort of uh, a tinge of supernatural events with that book. Um, 
The Brightest Star in the Sky by Marion Keys is another one. Uh, this is, again, a little bit more contemporary, um, but there's a, sort of an underscore of, of Supernatural towards the beginning and, and the end of uh, these sort of meandering storylines that sort of come together towards the end. And I'm curious, okay, so from uh, what we've had so far with these three recommendations, um, I have read all books, yes, that, that you've mentioned. And I think it's a difficult task to find the similarities of some of these. Now, of course, it depends on the type of reader you are, right? Like you said earlier, I like that um, concept of, you know, choosing your own adventure reading it the way you want to read it, picking out what you would naturally pick out. For me, The Brightest Star in the Sky was completely not at the same type of reads as the other ones. But for you, it was. I'm curious curious about that. Yeah, in terms of writing quality, they're miles apart. Um, As I said, The Brightest Star in the the Sky is is definitely a lot more contemporary and more about everyday life in, in this time period rather than some sort of imagination piece. Um, but in terms of you know taking your time with the with with the book and a slow read and having sort of a, a tinge of the supernatural, I, I think they fit together that way. Um, would I put them together on a bookshelf? Probably not. <laughs> um, but definitely, the brightest scar in, in the sky is, is uh, a lengthier read as well as something that you should probably take your time with. I, I called it a bedside read when I when I actually read it myself. Yeah. And and there's some books that you you know, that you want to take a chapter at a time and sort of go to sleep and then think about and, you know, you're not in a rush to finish. And that, honestly, um, with Invisible Life of Ari LaRue, I felt like that. I felt like I went through the book way too quickly and I loved it so much, but there was just too much to even wrap your head around, even if you do finish it too quickly. You know, you just feel like, whoa, everything's just slipping right back out again because it was meant to be much slower. Um, and I think in in the way that we do a lot of things, not just book listening and reading, um, it's hard to get away from that binge culture. It's hard to because of the access and because of, um, you know, just the amount of time we spend on screens and such. It's so hard to get away from let's not watch the entire series overnight. (laughs) Yeah, and and I think we get sort of conditioned to, especially in in Western culture, that the two-hour Hollywood sort of movie time frame has been applied to so many things that um, a lot of times we're looking at that in terms of a book too. I mean, I think an average book for for, uh, right now is around a a nine-hour mark. Um, So when you see something that's like 13 hours, 15 hours, which I think all of these books are in that in that particular category, um, it can be an effort to to stick with it. Mm. But um, I, I think what we're talking about for a lot of these books is density. You know, uh, there's the same amount of words as some other books, but there's just a lot more that we get out of them. Yeah. Um, in terms of in terms of that piece, and absolutely, Invisible Life of Addie Larue is like that. Uh, this book, as well as The Starless Sea by Aaron Morgenstern, is, is definitely like that as well. Where uh, even to the point where at the end, some of there's a, a good wrap up and conclusion for the book, but uh, if you're not paying attention, you may not actually grasp that some of the characters are some of the other characters. Oh my goodness! So <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a slow read, but you have to pay attention still. Right, so. right. Can't just yeah. fall asleep through it. Okay, yeah. before we have to run out of here, uh, give us a quick tease on what you're looking forward to reading next. Um, I'm actually taking a look at some some movies which uh and, and movie reviews I've, I've taken a look at in the past um one of the movies i had come across which i didn't know was based on a book is carlito's way with al pacino 
Um, it's actually from a three or four book set. Um, I've always wanted to try to pick that up and see what's going on. And the other one I came across much more recently is uh, L.A. Confidential, which was a movie starring uh, Russell Crowe. Um, I found out that that was based on a book, too. And again, that's a four or five book series. Um, and, and neither of these was the first book that they chose for the movie. So curious to pick those up and see what those are like. Both are obviously going to be a little bit more uh, police and gang sort of um, focused. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome, Amr. And of course, you'll keep us posted because you'll be back next month. I'm sure there will be a ton more to talk about. Thank you and talk to you soon. Looking forward to it. Take care. Amir Khan joining us on AMI Audiobook Review. That's a wrap for today's episode. I'm your host, Ramya Amadhan. And until next week, happy audiobook listening. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.